of your mentees, Paula White, was one of President Trump's most prominent faith advisors and supporters. I wonder what you thought of that. Jakes, well, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't describe her as a mentee. Wow, folks. Wow. I can think of many times where she said, Daddy Jakes, standing on the platform to him. I can think of many times where she said, he said that she was his daughter. So now you just abandon her because she's a Trump supporter? What a perfectly baited question to pull out the racism that is in Mr. Thomas Dexter because he believes this in his heart. This was like the perfect softball pitch because here, here you're about to experience his answer. And they got in brackets again and he laughs. <laughs> I can see him sitting there laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, let me espouse my deep wisdom to you. I wonder if seeing that unequal impact of the virus has made you think differently about the policies and politics that led us to have such an unequal country. How do you put this kind of a question together and make it seem like it's about equality and fairness for all? Is it fair that people died from COVID-19? No. Is it fair that the hospital workers had to work extra shifts because of COVID-19? No. Is it fair that some people were at home stuck for a year or more? No. Hello there, Radiant Fire Radio. This is your host, Christopher. And we're here to talk about Thomas Dexter Jake Sr. Jesus. Woo! What people do to try to hide the names their parents give them. My God, my God. Just be proud. Be proud and understand that there's meanings behind those names. But the great T.D. Jakes has opened his mouth. Prepare your hearts. I'm about to kick over one of your golden cows. Yep, he has written an article, T.D. Jakes, on how white evangelicals lost their way. <sighs> I wish that there was no racism in the world. I wish even more that there was no racism in the church. But everybody has a right to their opinion, and Thomas Dexter has a right to his. Makes no sense to me. Let's listen to what this article says. This article is on uh, MSN News. He's so powerful that he made the Atlantic. Microsoft News Network. Great. Bishop T.D. Jakes is one of the most famous pastors in America. His multi-thousand member Dallas mega church. The Potter's House is just one part of his platform. He's recorded gospel albums, starred in television broadcasts, led several popular conference series, and published numerous books. Now let's skip, skip that. You know who he is. I talked with Jakes about the ongoing trauma of COVID-19 in his community and whether white evangelicals have lost sight of Jesus's teachings. Wow. Wow. I guess because the numbers of white people who were killed in COVID-19 is what they're trying to suggest. We're not as high as black people. It's white evangelicals' fault that they died. I don't, I don't understand, but Emma Green came up with this question. Our conversation has been condensed and edited for clarity. 
Emma Green. In the past year, how many members of your congregation have either gotten sick with or died from COVID-19? Bishop T.D. Jakes. I can't even answer the question because the number would be so high, it's hard to even tabulate. Because a lot of people in our church, when they pass away, they go back home to be buried. Ah, uh, that's a questionable claim. You can tabulate it. I, I don't know where you're going with this. But hold on, let's see. But I can tell you that there were weeks that I was inundated with phone calls literally every day about somebody who was either sick or had passed away. What was numbers to everybody else, and the numbers were horrific enough, was people to me. Good save. Good save that you didn't know the numbers. Emma Green again. I wonder if there was a moment when you realized, oh, this is going to be a really major thing in the life of my community. Jakes. When New York was bad, the numbers were so inordinately high. One day I literally just lost it. What does that mean, Mr. Jakes? Mr. Thomas Dexter. I've done a lot of book signings on Fifth Avenue at Barnes and Noble. I've spoken in New York since I was a very young man. And I just wondered how many of those people who were at my services or at my book signings were in those bags. And I just started weeping. To all people, being close to your loved ones when they pass is important. But to black people, being able to have a funeral and eulogy is sometimes the only time day workers and frontline workers get to be important. It's the only day other than a wedding that everything is about you. To be denied that celebration of life, we call them home goings rather than funerals. I knew we would be devastated for years to come. The numbers have dropped, but the trauma has not. All right, break in the reading of this article. So, the only funerals that they told people that they couldn't have was to black people. God, the way they write sometimes. I don't recall seeing a memo saying that black people couldn't have funerals because of COVID-19. It was a lot of funerals for black and white people, Hispanic people, Chinese people. I, I, why do you write this way? I really would like to know. All right, let's, let's force our way back in here. Emma Green again. Where do you see evidence of that ongoing trauma in your community? Jakes, where do I not see it? Marriage is imploding, self-medication, serious bouts of depression. It has been devastating to all of America. Praise God that he recognizes that everybody's suffering the same. It's not just black people but particularly to minorities. Uh, sorry, I spoke too soon. And that coupled with the racial tensions, we were hit on so many different fronts at the same time. Our counseling department says we are getting 300% more calls than we were before. It's, it's awful funny that he has a number now, but he didn't have a number before. But I'm not gonna nitpick on that. Let's see what else Miss Green offers up as a question. I wonder, Miss Green says, how theologically speaking you guide people through a time like this. When so many people have gotten sick or know someone that who died, what do you tell people about what God wants 
when there's so much dark stuff happening. Here we go. Brace yourselves. Thomas Dexter's get ready to wow us. It's funny because it really makes you think through your theology. As a Christian, the one thing that is quite clear about the Christian message is that it does not hide itself from suffering and pain. When the emblem of your faith is a cross, it's quite obvious. Suffering is center stage to our faith. It isn't the contemporary theology of just blessings and gifts and promises. It is also seasoned frequently with the stoning of the disciples and the killing of members of the early church. Pandemics are all throughout the Bible. When I looked at those scriptures, it really, really took my empathy toward the text to a different level. It's one thing to know something intellectually. It's another thing to say, oh, that's how they felt. This is how this feels. But the other part of my faith that's important is that ultimately we may see suffering on Friday, but we see resurrection on Sunday. That's the blessed hope of the church, that there's better ahead than there is behind us. Wow. That was masterful. would like to know what he said, but that was very well put together words. Miss Green goes on to ask again. Obviously, the pandemic has disproportionately affected poor people, working class people, people who have essential jobs who have been going to work consistently. I wonder if seeing that unequal impact of the virus has made you think differently about the policies and politics that led us to have such an unequal country. I got, I got to read that question again because I'm trying to figure out which, what is she trying to ask? Obviously, Ms. Green says, the pandemic has disproportionately affected poor people, working class people, people who have essential jobs, who have been going to work consistently. I wonder if seeing that unequal impact of the virus has made you think differently about the policies and politics that led us to have such an unequal country. How do you put this kind of a question together? and make it seem like it's about equality and fairness for all. Is it fair that people died from COVID-19? No. Is it fair that the hospital workers had to work extra shifts because of COVID-19? No. Is it fair that some people were at home stuck for a year or more? No. Did they die? Nope. They lived. Is it fair that the government had to pass out three stimulus checks? Is it fair that someone's going to have to pay for that down the road? Your great, 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 great grandchildren will be paying for the stimulus for one year based off of faulty science. Oh, I'll bring his name in here, Dr. Fauci, who said that if we wear masks, everything's going to be fine, but they still kept the country locked down. These are decisions that are not tied to white evangelicals, but they're trying to tie them to them. It's their fault. All right, here we go. Here's Jake's answer and response. Can I be honest? And of course, Green says yes. 
Jake says, that's only a revelation to people who are far removed from it. And they have in brackets that he laughs. What, what do you mean? So because we're not experiencing death, we're not experiencing suffering, we can't empathize with the people who are. If you look at what happened during COVID-19, even though we were physically separated from people, many people learned how to reach out to their neighbor. Many people learned how to take care of each other. If they couldn't get to the store, someone went to the store for them. There was a whole bunch of innovation that took place. You're going, you're going through the drive-through to get food. People helped other people because they were concerned and they cared. So, so who are these people who are far removed from it? So are you saying the people in white suburbia didn't have to think about COVID-19 as deeply as people who were in the city? It's not true, Thomas Dexter. It's not true at all, please. But he goes on to spouse some more of his wisdom. I, again, I'm sorry if I'm kicking your golden cow down. It, it, just, it just needs to be kicked. Square in the chest. Here he goes. Because the church is a galvanizing place of all classes of people. This is something that we're confronted with every week. It is amazing to me that we can live in the same city and have two completely different experiences. You can kind, kind of be willfully blind to the pain of the people who are in your own city and have ladies meetings and come together to solve poverty around the world and not think a thing about poverty right in your own city. Wow, what an accusation. What a condemning accusation against people who are not sitting in your church. How do you know this? How do you know this to be true, Mr. Thomas Dexter? Amazing, just completely amazing. Miss Green goes on to ask, you know, when I hear you say that, I can't help but hear an implication about the way certain other Christians, maybe white Christians in particular, live with a kind of international orientation toward helping kids in Africa, but not caring that much about helping people who are their neighbors in their own city. Am I hearing you right? What a perfectly baited question to pull out the racism that is in Mr. Thomas Dexter, because he believes this in his heart. This was like the perfect softball pitch because here, here you're about to experience his answer. And they got in brackets again and he laughs. Ha, ha, ha. I can see him sitting there laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me espouse my deep wisdom to you. Jake's. Ha, 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 ha. I think that's true in some cases, but I don't think they're a monolith. I've met pastors who cared and who've joined hands and tried to help and serve, and who were first responders in times of crisis. But by and large, it makes people uncomfortable to look at, un to look at complicated problems. And the problems in undeserved communities are complicated by poor education, poor access to medical care, crime, and the distance in culture. As a whole, here he, here he lumps, oh, as a whole, I think white evangelicals lost sight of what would Jesus do because they only define Jesus in very narrow terms. 
So, Mr. Thomas Dexter, you just lumped a whole every white Christian that lives in the United States into one big bowl and said they're all racist. How dare you? How do you do that? When Paul Crouch, who is a white person, opened the door for you to come into ministry. You didn't need him to do that, but God saw fit to build a relationship. Would you say the very, you probably would, uh, uh, you probably would say it to him because Kirk Franklin got up to his son and said the same thing to him, that it was his fault. This racist stuff in the church has got to stop. It's forever going to be in the world. It always will be. It always will be because of sin. It, it just is. Until God comes and takes the entire world home to be with him, to be judged, and then those who go to hell go to hell, and then those who go to heaven go to heaven. This stuff's always going to be around, but it shouldn't be in the church. And reverse discrimination is just as evil as straight discrimination. It just is. It, it always will be. And no matter what you say, you, you can't keep killing Whitey for stuff that Whitey did 100 years ago. I'm sorry. No, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not sorry. Leave Whitey alone. <sighs> Thoroughly in the chest. All right. So, Miss Emma Green, well, you're going to have to say a little bit more about that. <laughs> Here's this laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Jakes, I think the social issues define the spaces where faith and politics and society intertwine. Roe versus Wade and same gender loving people. White evangelicals don't always put the same level of weight on the poor, the disenfranchised, or criminal justice problems. They don't see that as important. Green goes on to say, just to be clear, I take it that theologically speaking, you might not disagree with, say, a conservative Southern Baptist pastor on abortion or same-sex marriage, but you're saying that there's a difference in emphasis. Jakes, yes, there's a great deal of difference. You're exactly right. There's a great deal of difference in emphasis. To raise the, co the concern for the unborn above the born, to fight for the life in the womb and not in the prison or in the school systems, if life is valuable, then after the mother pushes out the baby, that life should still be valuable. Thomas Dexter, where did they say it wasn't? Where did they say it wasn't, Thomas Dexter? Give me some, some, some black and white letters where you saw some white evangelicals say, you heard, give me some recordings. You heard them say, we don't care about nobody's life. Give me some recordings. I, you know, I, I, I want to see it. I want to know it. Because I'm probably living in the dark ages or something like that. But I have seen multiple peoples from all races and, and colors and classes join in and help during this COVID-19 crisis. The nurses and the staff in these hospitals are, are colorblind. They, they, didn't, they didn't come in there and say, nope, you're black. You can't come in here. We know you got COVID because you're black, so you're not coming in here. They treated everybody. The neighbor system went on for everybody. 
Where do you get this stuff from? It's, it's deeply embedded in your heart. And though you preach and talk about love and you talk about suffering, you don't mean it. You don't mean it at all. Green goes on to say, at least at the margins, President Trump picked up support in 2020 from Latino communities and black people, especially among men. I wonder if you saw that in your community. Jakes, you know, I think it's an oversimplification to think that color dictates the way we think or vote. Black people as a whole tend to be conservative on certain issues. Still, I was as surprised as the rest of the nation about the inroads he made among black males. Really, Thomas Dexter? You were surprised? Do you realize, Thomas Dexter, that he decorated <coughs> he decorated a World War II veteran? He was still alive. He found him and decorated him. Increased his rank. Increased his rank. What other president did that? He was a Tuskegee Airman. He increased his rank, but he doesn't care about black people. I, I don't, I'll never understand. I'll never understand the, the reverse discrimination that comes out of the church. <sighs> Green, one of your mentees, Paula White, was one of President Trump's most prominent faith advisors and supporters. I wonder what you thought of that, Jakes. Well, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't describe her as a mentee. Wow, folks. Wow. I can think of many times where she said, Daddy Jakes, standing on the platform to him. I can think of many times where she said, he said that she was his daughter. So now you just abandon her because she's a Trump supporter? Wow. Way to be a father. Way to be a spiritual father, Thomas Dexter. How do you sit there in your skin, profess God, and do this kind of stuff? He goes on to say she had had years of ministry experience before she met me. During the period when she was working closely with me, President Trump wasn't an issue wasn't an issue because he wasn't the president. But as soon as he became the president, that's when it became an issue for you. And by the time she had moved into that area, I don't think that she really considered herself a mentee of mine. Oh my God, please show me in black and white where she said she discredits you. Please show me in black and white where, where something that she said said that you're no longer her spiritual father. Please. Come on, Thomas Dexter. Come on. We certainly still have an amiable relationship. Let me let me let me break this down for you. She still gives me money. <laughs> but other than that, she's 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 white trash to me. <laughs> Come on, folks. Preach. Why do we got to keep tolerating this foolishness out of people who are supposed to be leaders in the church? Let me start over. We certainly still have an amiable relationship. 
but our views on politics are certainly different. And she knows that. I'm pretty sure she knows that because I'm pretty sure that you told her, hey, I'm going to take this money that you're giving me, but I want you to know that I don't agree with your politics on President Trump. Green, did you all talk about President Trump? Jakes, I haven't talked to her in quite a while. I mean, she got pretty busy. And I was pretty busy. Let me be clear. She knows that our views about politics are very different. But you know, I don't think we should stop talking to people because we disagree. I think that's the problem in our country right now. We've become tribalistic. Wow, tribalistic? Everyone who disagrees with anybody is demonized. Just like you demonized your, your former daughter because you just kicked her to the curb. <laughs> Come on. T.D. Jakes goes on to say, the only real hope we have as a people is to talk to people who are different. And I honestly, earnestly believe that we can have civil dialogue without demonizing people for their views and saying because you don't agree with you don't agree with me, you're evil. Well, Thomas Dexter, you didn't say because you don't agree with agree with me, you're evil, but your actions show it. Your actions show that this is what you believe. And just because you say this nice little smooth line in here, people are gonna come down, kiss your feet kiss your hand. They're going to act like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's not true. It's not true. Green, I wonder if you sense more of an openness among white pastors who maybe even a few years ago would have avoided tough conversation on race to have those kinds of conversations. <sighs> oh my God. Where are they? I know where they're going. I'm, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read. Jakes, where I've tried to focus is on the white pastors who spoke out and tried to say something positive that was misunderstood. And I literally got on the phone with some of them and encouraged them to keep talking. Their immediate reaction was, I got it wrong. I'm not going to broach that subject again. I'm going to stay away from it. I'm not just going to talk about it. And if we do that, we'll never get better. We have to keep talking. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna keep going. Green, can you tell me who that was? Who you called up? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Really, he's gonna give you the answer to that question. Jake's. I knew you were gonna ask me that. I can't divulge that. I think that would be unethical. But if I can say it was several. The reason I did it is because they were hurt. They were wounded. All right. I gotta, I gotta stop here. And he knew this was an opportunity to insert his reverse discrimination into the situation and, and fully implant his demons into these people. Just, this is just what happens. He, he knew. Jakes, they didn't really mean to enrage people who were already enraged. They were trying to fix it. And he didn't have the language to communicate across the board. When you come up speaking to a congregation where the amens come free, and you start speaking to a global audience, there are people who feel just as strongly in the opposite direction. All right, let me break this down for you in, in quick, simple terms. If you're a white person, you need a translator in order to speak to black people. <laughs> you need a translator because black people are too dumb to understand what the white person is saying. This is what he's saying. I don't believe this, but this is what Thomas Dexter believes. 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is some, uh, Green, I think the question of how people react to certain language really matters. I've noticed in these conversations happening in the past year or so about race in the church, that some very conservative white Christians are willing to say, I believe Black Lives Matter, but then explicitly distance themselves from Black Lives Matter, the organization, for any kind of political action. Why do you think there's so much hedging in conversations about race in the church? All right, let me answer this before you, you hear the great T.D. Jakes' answer. Christians are distancing themselves from the Black Lives Matter organization because it's a socialist organization that's tied to witchcraft. And you shouldn't be tying yourself to it. And I was very disheartened to see the pastor of Elevation Church put Black Lives Matter across his, his screen. I was very disheartened to see other prominent members of the, the Christian community put Black Lives Matter across their screen. This should never be in the church. You, you either believe for all of us or you don't believe for none of us. This makes no sense whatsoever that you have to make a direct tie to something that's satanic. It was clear that the Black Lives Matter leadership was birthed out of Satanism and uh, pure witchcraft. You know, the organizers and the founders talked about you had to say their name and they were calling up the person's body. They were pouring out drinks to these people. These are all witchcraft practices. Come on, Miss Green. All right, let's let's see what the great T.D. Jakes had to say. I think the peaceful demonstrations that took place about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter were extremely gratifying. Ooh, sorry, I couldn't hold up. <laughs> extremely gratifying because I remember the civil rights movement. You did not see a lot of white people marching with black people in the streets. This time you saw sometimes more white people <coughs> marching than black people. I think we need to pause and underscore how far we've come, that we can see crowds of people who choose not to be blind, who do care, who did march and wrote pieces and did things that were positive. That, to me, is the big story. End of the article. You marched you destroyed cities for a man who was guilty. For a man who committed crimes, long-term criminal. Long-term criminal. He put himself in that position. If he was at home, he would not have been hurt. If he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, none of this would have happened. You can't, T.D. Jakes. Thomas Dexter, ignore the truth. White evangelicals are not trying to hurt other people. They're not. They're not trying to hurt black people. They're not trying to keep us in slavery. We're doing it to ourselves. And here's the bigger picture. When you use your reverse discrimination it's called the spirit of offense. Offended. That means that the person that you're offended with can never, ever do any good in your eyes. 
They will never be able to come out from up under your scorn, your wrath, your unforgiveness. So matter, no matter what they do, in the back of your mind, you have raised yourself to a position where you are superior to them. This is not God's will. How did white evangelicals lose their way? They didn't. How is this being spun by the media, uh, the Antichrist spirit, the devil himself, to further divide the church? That's exactly what's going on. Think about everything that I said in this broadcast. And please take it to heart. Thomas Dexter, praying for your soul, praying that you get saved, and praying that the influence that you have will be used for good and not for evil. This is been Christopher with Radio Fire Radio. Be blessed. We are committed to excellence and truth. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. As we go forth in this endeavor in this hour, we pray that God would be with you. His prophetic mantle and his prophetic anointing would be upon your life. Please feel free to contact us at any time with questions, comments, or concerns. You can reach us at Christopher at RadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries, on YouTube.